0: You can go ahead and give the Lord a hand. Come on. That was awesome. <clears throat> I want every head bowed and every eye closed. <laughs> that was awesome right there. All day today, I've been asking God to confirm this message that I believe he gave me, and nothing. I mean, I looked everywhere. I was looking. You name it, I was trying to look for confirmation. Uh, and I mean, literally, he just confirmed everything that the Lord gave me. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bible to the book of Second Samuel. Matter of fact, why don't you stand with me today? Book of Second Samuel, chapter 23, verse 8. And it's awesome to have everyone back, right? It's like a homecoming today, right? We got Pastor Will and Dana. Come on, give them another round of hand. Give them another round. Awesome. I know God used that couple. They were they were instruments of the Lord in my life. Uh, I was I was on the brink of coming back to the Lord and getting committed again. And uh, I know the Lord used them. I mean, they were just right on time, you know, in my life. And so. And I just want to give honor where honor is due. Uh, great to have you guys here. Um, and also, you know, Momi and, and John, it's awesome to have them back as well. Uh, it's time to get to work. Amen. Time to get to work. 2 Samuel, uh, chapter, or, yeah, chapter 23, verse 8. When you have it, say amen. Title of my message tonight is Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We're we'll going to be talking about David's mighty men. I'm going to do my best to pronounce some of these names. They're kind of crazy. It says, these are the names of David's mighty men. Joseph, we'll just call him Joseph B. <laughs> a Atecnavite was chief of the three. He raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai. The, we'll call him A. <laughs> As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered and passed them in for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi, we'll call him H. (laughs) When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field, he defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. You can go to grab your seats. I believe John's prayers carries over to this one as well. Merry Christmas. When you think of the word merry, I think the most common thought for all of us is probably a, a red-cheeked Santa Claus, right? Giggling, right? Maybe a little tipsy on eggnog, right? But if you trace the word merry back to the Middle Ages... It was, it was a word that was commonly used to refer to mighty, right? We, we've heard of Robin Hood and his merry men, right? The, the word merry often referred to the word mighty. And we're going to be talking about David's three mighty men. If you study the life of David, you know, he, he was an interesting man. You know, not only was he a man after God's own heart, but if you look at his start, his start was, was a unique start uh, he he wasn't born a king you know we see that in fact when he was able to recruit his army I guess you could say or the the army came to him he was on the run for his life you know he wasn't he wasn't in Bible college right he wasn't out there training in the warrior school he was running in deserts hiding in caves right and and you know this this message today I got to warn you you know it's a message on commitment this is a message on commitment I hope it's not. Uh, that unpopular, but today I want to study and and, and bring out the character of commitment because we're going to study the life of three men or the characteristics of three men who David considered his most committed men. David had his, his top three, and if you study a little bit more, you see he had 30 underneath them, and then he had his armies. So these men obviously were special to David. These men were his most loyal, his most valiant, and his most trusted people that he had around him. See, somebody once said, as far as character is concerned, that character may be manifested in the great moments, right? Like when you go to Africa. Character may be manifested in the great moments, but it's made in the small ones. And I hope that tonight is one of those small moments where your character is challenged today to become committed. See, like we said, David was on the run when these men came to him. And most of the men that came to David during this time and banded with them, hear me now, they were attracted to him, but these men were outcasts. They were, most of them were in trouble with the law. They had shown disloyalty or dishonor in some way. They had been kicked out of wherever they were at. They were on the run themselves. But in, in this group are the ones that banded to David. And, you know, that, that, that raises a question as to why. Because these same men, even, you know, they turned around and became the most loyal men. These men that had shown disloyalty became the most loyal men that David had. And so, you know, the question you can raise is why? What made these men loyal, first of all, to the King David before he was even a king? Let me give you a few quick reasons why I believe that these men or any mighty man or any mighty woman will follow a great leader. Even, again, leadership's not about title. And this is not a leadership message, but let me just give you these few points on why I believe people follow great leaders. Number one, they sense the calling upon the leader's life. See, people must feel confident that their leader is called of God. See, this shows people that a leader can hear the voice of God and are obedient to it. The second reason I believe that men follow other leaders, they present a great cause to them, right? We just heard a message right now on cause. See, there comes a time when all disciples will see their destiny connected to the leader's destiny. In other words, if their leader succeeds, they succeed as well. See, at some point, every disciple reaches that understanding that if their leader makes it, they have a future. The third reason, I believe, is they sensed his courage, right? Nobody wants to do something that their leader won't. A leader who's willing to step up and take a challenge will always be able to look behind them and find at least one crazy nut that's down with them. The fourth reason... I believe that they know his character. As much as we try to portray ourselves, right, who you really are will always come out. See, if bad is inside of you, people will stay away from you. If good is inside of you, people will be attracted to you. But if greatness is inside of you, people will follow you. See, of all the men who followed David, he had a group known as the three. And each one had a quality And on top of being great physical warriors, one was an attacker, if you're taking notes, the other one was a supporter, and the third was a defender. One was an attacker, one was a supporter, and one was a defender. And we're going to look at those lives really quickly because I believe God wants to do something, uh, so I'm going to hurry up and shut up. (laughs) Amen. The first one we see is Joseph. Joseph B. We'll call him. And he was, the Bible describes him as the chief of the three. He was what we know, what we can call his characteristic was the attacker. In any ministry, including ours, there's a constant need for people who will make the first move and get things done. See, the Bible describes this man as the one who raised the spear against 800 men and killed them in one encounter. Isn't that awesome? He was clearly the aggressor and his attack In his attack, God gave him a huge victory. See, there are people in this room tonight who wake up itching to do something for the Lord. See, some of you go to work, you talk to your coworkers, right? Some of you always want to testify to your family, right? Some of you get a check and you can't wait to buy something for the ministry, right? Some of you are looking for sick people to pray for, right? Some of you are putting together Bible studies and nobody's even asked you, right? Some of you are spiritual troublemakers here tonight. See, I don't believe you wake up one day and you kill 800 men just on a a fluke right there. I believe that this man had plenty of times to practice Mm -hmm. them kills, plenty of times to prepare himself for this great kill. See, an attacker is committed to constantly winning ground for the team, right? He's always carrying the vision to places where it doesn't exist, like Durban, like Mitchell Plains, right? See, some are called to be attackers but lack the character of commitment to keep trying to hit home runs for the team. I'll say that again because I think that's awesome right there. Some are called to be attackers but lack the character of commitment to keep trying to hit home runs for the team. See, maybe discouragement or complacency or spiritual attacks have you settling for base hits or even bunts tonight. See, an attacker is always trying to hit a home run for the team. Not for himself, not for personal glory, but to see the team succeed. The Bible describes Joseph as, let's see if I can pronounce this right, as a technomite, which in Hebrew means one who possesses wisdom, insight, and practical wisdom. See, he knew how to overcome his enemy. It's it's, it's not complicated. These were simple weapons that were standard issue, like prayer, like faith like fasting, like rallies, like testifying, right? These are simple tools that are standard issues, but they work all over the world. Am I right? The second person we see is Eleazar. And he was, what I would say, is the supporter of the group. That was his characteristic of commitment. He was a supporter. We see in First Chronicles 11, 12, and then also in 2 Samuel 23:9, that there was a battle for the, with the Philistines, which was their common enemy, it was over a field of barley. And see, Eleazar, he, wasn't, he was the opposite of the attacker, right? He wasn't looking for a battle that day, but the battle came to him. And not only did the battle come to him, everyone around him, you know, in the whole army fled except him and David. And he willingly made a choice to support David that day over that field of barley. It's described right here in this story. And just him and David were side by side ready to fight. See, without supporters, the attackers have no spears. Supporters stand with their leader, whether they agree or not, whether it's beneficial or not. And see, I'm sure that Eleazar, at some point, when all these these Philistines were surrounding him, I'm sure the thought crossed his mind, man, this is over barley. I know I would have thought that, right? Everybody's running, everybody's leaving, people are surrounding you. At some point, it had to cross his mind. This is over barley. What am I doing here? I don't know if you ever had that thought. See, supporters give. Supporters are faithful. They can be counted on regardless. See, some people here in this room, as soon as pastor or a leader or someone else is throwing out a vision, you're automatically thinking, this is what we need. This is how we're going to get there. Some of you are like that in this room. You're supporters. A supporter's joy is knowing that their leader's vision is going to come to pass. They know their calling is to support. They know their calling is to make sure their leader gets to where they need to get. Eliazar fought, the Bible says, till his hand froze to his sword. Can you imagine that? It, it, see, in other words, Eleazar didn't say, hey, listen, David, we don't have what we need to win. He used what he had in his hands so much so that it became one with him. What's your hand stuck to tonight? Is it your job, rent, your spouse? What are you using to support your pastor's vision tonight? See, there's nothing sadder than a gifted person who occasionally uses their gift. I believe Eleazar learned his commitment from his father. If you read and you study the story, his father was named Dodi in verse 9. And this man was one of David's captains in his army. In fact, he taught his son. The Bible says that he was one of his captains, over 24,000 men. And so I believe that as a captain, he showed his son, he taught his son to support David, to support his visions, to support his dreams. What kind of commitment do our children see from us? What kind of of commitment do they see in our church attendance, in our ministry involvement, in our giving, in our leadership? How do they hear you talk about your pastor? Eleazar in Hebrew means the Lord is my helper and the Lord God has helped me. See, it was who he was. The battle just brought it out of him. Thirdly, we see that Shammah is a defender. The Bible says that this time, the enemy came looking, right, to attack a field full of lentils. A lentil, some beans, amen. This field represented far more than beans to Shammah. It was his livelihood. It was, I guess you could even say, life itself to him. See, the battle was at home, and it was personal to him. So much so, the Bible says that he stood alone, again, as everybody ran. But it said this time he was really alone. Not even David was with him. He stood alone and defended it. See, in ministry and in Christianity, some battles are very personal. They, they, the devil goes after your livelihood, right? He, 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 you know, you got to understand that sometimes the enemy wants your life group to shrink. He wants your ministry to be divided. He wants your kids to backslide. He wants your car to break down. Hello, does anybody hear me tonight? The enemy would love to run your name in the mud. See, what are you defending tonight? What are you defending? Are you defending your testimony tonight? Are you defending your anointing tonight? Are you defending your church tonight? Your pastor tonight? Your family tonight? How about your children's minds? Are you defending their hearts? See, defenders rise to challenge the enemy, not because they're told, but because they feel it's their duty. Waiting for someone else to do things doesn't apply to committed people. The enemy banded together and brought war to God's people. And again, the majority ran. See, you got to understand, you can't expect everyone to feel the same way you feel about the ministry and you the way you feel about the vision. Amen? Everybody all right out there? <laughs> I personally believe, and this is just my personal belief, that defending is the hardest commitment. See, because our enemy, he doesn't play fair, right? He, do, I don't know if you've ever been attacked. I mean, really attacked. The enemy doesn't play fair. He'll attack your livelihood to catch us on, off guard sometimes. And I want to share a story, and, and I was debating whether or not I would share it, because uh, I don't want to get all mystical or all crazy, and I don't want everybody to freak out after this, right? I have no idea why, but in my lifetime and in, in my time as a Christian, uh, I just seem to attract demon-possessed people. I have no idea why. Uh, they're, like, attracted to me. And, you know, coming back to the Lord, you know, when when I first came back this time, it has been almost three years ago. Um, you know, I came back and And a good piece of the world was still following me when I came back to the Lord. Uh, You know, and one of the things that the Lord had worked out for me, and I know Pastor Will can attest to this, is uh, I still had to serve out a little bit of a a time on an ankle monitor. And so, uh, you know, that sounds crazy, right? I used to come to church, right? I I used to go to church, used to go to work with an ankle monitor on as a Christian. And I remember one particular night, you know, I mean, I was just happy, you know, I was excited for the Lord. And I got a crazy idea to go and do a street rally at nine o'clock at night, grabbed a group of nuts that were down to go, and we decided to go to do a street rally on High Street, and East 14th. Come on, nine o'clock at night on a Sunday night. I don't know what we were thinking. I might have had too much Starbucks that night, but we went out that night, and we went to High Street and International Boulevard, and we get out there, and I don't know the last time you've been out there at nine o'clock at night, but it don't sleep. And we had gone out there, and we pulled up to this taco truck, and they had a... Uh, plug in uh, an outlet in the ground, and I asked the guy, you know, I went up and I said, hey, do you mind if we plug in our sound system right here? He goes, you can try, and so we plugged in, and, you know, we got rolling, and we were able to come out there. We were able to do worship on the streets. Awesome, awesome move of God, and the heaviest thing about that whole trip was that after the street rally was done, the the guy came out of the truck, and and I, I could see the amazement on his face. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he, I thought he was amazed that we were out there so late, which I'm sure he was, tripping off it. But he says, you know, I got to tell you something, man. He goes, I've been trying to plug into that outlet for years now, and it has never worked. He goes, you just plugged into that, you just had an hour street-long rally, you know, and it worked, you know. So that was one of the heaviest things. But after all that said and done, I was like on a spiritual high that day, right, slept. And the very next morning, I had what would have seemed to be a routine visit to court. Routine, right? So I went to court, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another. There was an argument, and the next thing you know, I'm in handcuffs. That judge didn't care that I was a Christian, right? He didn't care. All he cared about is that I hadn't made a payment, and next thing you know, I'm sitting in a cell, right? As a Christian, mind you, as a Christian, night before did a street rally, And I'm tripping. I'm like, whoa, it was like a whirlwind. What just happened right now, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there talking to God like, God, is this really happening? I thought these days were over, right? I thought I I was free, like free, free. And, uh, you know, so anyhow, this is going on, and and I'm starting to feel like, you know, man, like a little bit oppressed. And there was a gentleman, you know, in the cell next to me, and, uh, you know, I could hear him yelling and banging on the walls. Those of you who have been in jail know those guys, Right? banging on the wall and yelling, and, but I mean, like, yells of anguish. And so anyhow, they, you know, they just, like call my name, and, and I'm thinking, like, maybe the judge was just mad, and I'm going home, but no, they call me out to go to Santa Rita. So they're lining people up in the bus, and, uh, you know, they throw me right next, you know, there's, they have these two little, I guess, uh, I don't even want to call them cells, two little seats with a little screen in between them. There's one guy on this side and one guy on this side. They put me on one side, and, and again, this whole time, I'm talking to God like, why is this happening? And all of a sudden, you'll never guess who they bring right next to me, <laughs> the guy that was yelling. And this guy sits down next to me, and I'm like, oh, great, this is going to be a ride, right? So I'm, again, I'm just trying to try, trip it out, tripping out, and all of a sudden, this guy next to me that's been freaking out all day turns his head and looks directly at me, and I can, I can feel his stare. I mean, there's like literally just a little gate in between us and he's staring at me and so you know i'm casually taking a peek and i'm still trying to pray god touch this guy right now before he does something crazy all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes you think you're bad huh And i look at this dude and i was like what in the world and you know i said he ain't talking to me <laughs> and he leans up closer to the gate he goes you think you're bad huh And i look at him he goes you think you could come to my house and make all that noise and as soon as he said that every hair on my neck stood up and I looked at him you may not believe me but I it was almost like his face changed that's the best way to describe what I seen face changed and I knew instantly that I wasn't speaking to that man and he, you know he looked at me he goes you think you could come to my house and make all that noise you think you're doing something and I'm just looking at this guy, and I ain't going to lie, I, I would love to sit here and tell you that, yeah, I was on fire and ready to lay hands. I was freaked out, man. I was like, this is not happening right now. Then he tells me, we had just started a, a, a little Bible study, a Spanish Bible study at the Lord Tennyson. Um, and in as clear as day, this guy looks at me and he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, that little Bible study of yours, I'll make sure it ends. I was like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, as, as freaked out as I am, and then he starts laughing and he's, I mean, just like mocking me the whole, the whole ride. And about halfway there, I started talking to myself. And I'm trying, I mean, I ain't going to lie, I was scared, you know. And I knew that I was face to face with evil, face to face with the demon. And all of a sudden, I started thinking, you know what? Hold on, man. <laughs> Hold on. You know, I, God gave me victory over here. I could talk to this dude and I know, you know what? So, I, you know, I started talking to him. Right, and I know again I wasn't talking to him, so I started I started a little taunting him back a little bit. I said, Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. So wait till I get out of here. <laughs> so wait till I get out of here. You ain't seen nothing yet. But you know, that day taught me something. It taught me a very interesting thing. See, that attack brought a little bit of fight out in me. Yeah. See, it brought a little bit of fight. At first, it scared me, but then I started thinking about it. I said, you know what? Man, listen, that fight came to me. I didn't go looking for this guy, and you know what? I need to go do another street rally on High Street and International. You know, we need to go to the Tenderloin. We need to go. See, defending, defending, you got to understand, the enemy is going to bring a tax to you. The enemy is going to bring attacks to your family. He's going to bring attacks to things that you love dearly. He's going after your livelihood. He wants to rattle you. He wants to shake you. He wants to move you. See, defending is the hardest commitment. See, we see three mighty men that rose above. Some attacked some supported, and some defended. All of those commitments, all of those commitments came from their character. And out of all the men in that time and out of all the warriors that David had surrounding him, these three men shunned him. These three men shone and and, and they stood above the rest, so much so that they in their own rights became famous men. See, we're talking about Merry Christmas today. You know, a lot of times in this time, it's real easy to fall off. It's real easy to disappear in this holiday season. But I want to challenge you today. I want to speak to your commitment today. Because some of us, listen, the enemy's attacking your livelihood, the enemy's attacking your spirit, the enemy's trying to rattle you today. But I'm here to tell you something that, listen, God is looking for committed people. This ministry is looking for committed people. They are pastors looking for committed people, for men and women that will rise above the rest and they will have a Merry Christmas. They will have a great year and rise above the rest. Amen. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I didn't come to preach a long message today. But I believe that God wants to work on commitment today. I, I can name so many people in this room that could use help. I mean I can go ministry after ministry that's looking for workers looking for help looking for singers looking for teachers come on God's looking for people and we're not looking outside these four walls God's looking in these walls some of you feel the stirring in your heart no one else is going to do it God's calling you God's calling you to start that ministry God's calling you to start that home God's calling you Listen, I know this season it's real easy to shrink back but I want to challenge you today. Increase your commitment. Become a supporter. Those of you that are are debating whether or not you should give your tithes or buy a Christmas gift, give your tithes. Watch God come through for you. Those of you that are debating whether or not you should launch an attack, you feel the stirring of the Holy Spirit, I challenge you, do it. Do it. Do it and watch the fruits. Start a women's home. God will be with you. If God's stirring you, then he'll be with you. Some of you need to defend. God spoke to my spirit as clear as day as I was praying earlier today and told me that some of us need to focus on the battlefield of our children's minds. So much stuff flooding their minds. You need to speak life into your children. Tell them of God's glory. Tell them of God's power. Pray with them. Speak, fight for them, defend them because they can't do it on their own. Here today, I want to pray for some of you and I'm going to ask John to come join me up here because this was a a two-part message. It wasn't two different messages. It was a two-part message. Same message. God wants to work on your commitment today. If you're you're here today and you say, you know what, listen, Eric, I want to work on my commitment. I want to be the supporter. I want to be an attacker. I want to be a defender. Enemy's been attacking me, and I feel that I need to commit again. If that's you in this place, we're going to stand right now, and as we stand, I want you to go ahead and get out of your seat and come down to this altar right now. This is your chance. Listen, there's healing.